Last week, if you remember, if you're here, we started a brand new preaching series. And basically, the series is called The Word and the Spirit. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. And how, and how they mesh together and how they go together and how, how they, we cannot really have one without the other. And I was telling you about how um, it's really nervous for me to start this teaching series because it's not like we're going to go through the book of Philippians or something and go verse by verse, which is what I'm very comfortable with and what I've taught a lot over the years, because this one's going to be really topical. And there's like nothing wrong with that necessarily, but, um, but I'm always just a little bit nervous to enter into something like this because we're going to look at a bunch of different scriptures I want to make sure we get them right. I want to make sure we honor God with it. And so you guys can pray for me on that as we go through the next several weeks. Probably take most of the summer, I would imagine, to go through this. And there's going to be a lot of overlap, too, by the way, which is probably good for summer. Maybe people are in and out, going on vacations or what, and you'll pick up a few weeks here and there, hopefully, and you kind of piece it together. So last week, if you remember, um, we, were, we just began this this topic, and we were talking about how there's been um, what's been called a silent divorce in the church over the years between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And meaning, what that means is that some churches um, throughout history and even today are uh, so focused on the Word of God, like getting all the theology and all the doctrine correct. But in some ways, maybe consciously or unconsciously maybe, have ignored the Holy Spirit and kind of put Him to the back, um, maybe even excluding Him in the process of studying, in the, in the desire to just get all their theology right, they've excluded the one who wrote the theology, right? And so there's those kind of churches, there's those kind of Christians, and and then there's some churches and some Christians who are so open to the Holy Spirit, um, seeking to be led by Him literally on all things, but in the process have really relegated the Word of God to kind of like a secondary source of revelation. Like I need something fresh and new from the Holy Spirit, and then the Word of God is just sort of like it takes second place, which is absolutely incorrect. Okay, so there's these two pullers, right? And, and there is this thing in a lot of ways. And, um, and yet my, my take and my understanding and, and my heart and what God's doing is that we need to kind of come to the middle and take the Word of God and take the Spirit of God and both are just essential in our Christian faith. And um, if, 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 we, if you take one of these extremes, they're both dangerous because one can lead to legalism really easily. And I think that um, when, if Jesus was here, he'd look at some churches who are like way on this side and, and maybe have to call them out a little bit like he did the Pharisees. But then on the other side, you know, if you take it to that extreme, it can really be dangerous because there can really be this deviation from the truth. It can be really dangerous to go all the way over there. And so we need both of these um, and have this like divine balance, I'll call it, between the Word and the Spirit. And then I think the church is going to thrive. And again, I said last week that I'm not teaching this because I think we're 
we're doing something incorrect. I think, on the other hand, I think we've got a really good balance already. And I just want to continue to encourage us to seek both of these things with all our hearts, and God will bring us to this middle. So this teaching series is going to be focused on that. I used an illustration that I'll probably use periodically through, the, through this series just to remind us, because it's really good. We're talking about how, um, like a sailing ship, right? It needs both the sails to catch the wind, and it needs the rudder to steer the ship. It needs both of those. So it needs the wind of the Spirit to, to move the ship along, and it needs the rudder of the Word of God to guide the ship where it wants to go. If you have one without the other, either you'll have a ship just moving but has no direction, or you have a ship that's dead in the water um, nowhere, and it can't go anywhere because it doesn't have the wind with it. So we need both of those things, and both are essential. I think that today's Christianity kind of stands on a... We're in a place, as far as culture goes, that we're in this sea of trouble, if I can continue the illustration. We're in a sea of trouble, and as the world grows darker and darker and darker around us, our culture is getting very anti-Christian, anti-Jesus. The the waves are going to swell higher and higher and higher, and more than ever, we need the power of the Holy Spirit focused by the truth of the Word of God so that we can safely navigate back into the harbor that Jesus desires us to be in. And so um, this series has been kind of like three years in the making, and but I think we're ready. I think I'm ready to do it. I, I think God had to do some things in my heart to get me personally ready and then as well as this church. So I think we're here. And so we're going to look at this reconciliation of the Spirit and the Word and um, so they can come back together in equal measure. Okay, That's what we talked about last week. Then I totally ran out of time. <laughs> and it was like 10 minutes till the end of church. I'm like, oh no, I got a, like a, more than a third of my sermon left. So I said, we'll pick it up there next week. And so what I did was I took the, uh, the last third-ish of the sermon that I had prepared last week and I kind of I was going to go through some things, and I kind of just expanded on it, and so we're going to make that our whole message today. Um, so that's going to be fun. Um, I think the best way that, uh, that we can get to know um, God's ways, we were talking, we closed our, our time last time talking about God's ways, and the best way we can get, get to know God's ways is, um, is by spending time with Him. And so it came up with a little acronym um, called CLOSER. And um, I actually didn't come up with this. I stole this from, from somebody. But I changed what all the letters meant. <laughs> so it's kind of mine. Half mine, at least. Um, so, but I just really like that idea of CLOSER. Right? How can we get closer to God? And so I kind of just made this into a little message today. Um, it's going to highlight six ways in which we can draw closer to God. Actually, that's probably, it's probably more accurate for me to say it has five, five of the six are ways in which we can draw closer. The sixth one's kind of like a response or what happens to us as we draw closer. Okay, so this will be a little fun thing we're going to do today. And uh, I think since we're going to have plenty of time today, I think we're going to pause periodically and let you guys do some of the things we're talking about. 
So we kind of practice what we preach uh, a little bit. And I'll tell you what, we're going to be jumping all around this, the Word today. So get that ready. Kind of get your fingers ready. If you're on your phone, you know, whatever, get your pointer finger ready. Well, I'm old, so I use my pointer finger. I know some people are like, do this thing. I can't do that. Get your stuff ready. So we're going to be jumping all over and looking at some scriptures. And um, so this is kind of what I mean by topical, right? Jumping around the scripture, looking at some things. Um, so you guys ready? You guys ready to do this? Probably not. Probably nothing we say today is going to be so like, oh, I've never heard that before. Much more likely it's going to be, oh, I, I needed that reminder today. So that's kind of where I hope we all will take us. I know that as believers, we all have our, our quiet times with the Lord. We're all doing that. Or hopefully we are. And um, so what I, what I want to do is maybe take what you do as your normal time with the Lord and kind of maybe give you some suggestions. Maybe you haven't thought about it before or maybe some things you can add to what you're already doing um, so that we can draw closer to God. Okay, ready? Here we go. The first one, C, letter C stands for communicate. Uh, and I needed a C, right? But that's a way we could say prayer. That's the way we talk to God. And uh, one time... Um, the disciples of Jesus, they came to Jesus with a request. They said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Okay, teach us how to pray. And I love that. Uh, that's in Luke 11.1. 1. And I love that because they could have asked him for a bunch of things at that time, right? They could have said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to study the scriptures. They could have said that. Jesus, teach us how to do miracles. Jesus, teach us how to cast out demons. And all those things would have been good, things they already saw Jesus do. But they came to him with the request, Lord, teach us to pray. Because they wanted to connect to the Father the way they had seen Jesus connect to the Father. They had witnessed Jesus' prayer life. And I think they, that God at the, this moment of clarity, which the disciples didn't have many of them, if we're honest, but I think this moment of like, we want to we do and be and, and respond and act the way you do, Master. So, and they, they, they saw that prayer was like the key to that. Teach us to pray. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives them a model prayer to follow, what many people call the Lord's Prayer. And we won't read the whole thing today because it's kind of lengthy, but, but you guys are probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. And I just want to say this, that communication with the Father is simple. I think sometimes we overcomplicate prayer, and so we, we, we find ourselves not praying like we want to because it's, it seems burdensome almost to us. But, but communication with the Father can be simple when we simply follow this model that Jesus gave us. It's not, a, it's not something, it's not a pattern that we have to pray word for word every time, but it's a model that we can follow. And here's the summary. I just summarized it in a few sentences, the Lord's Prayer. Here it is. Um, we come to Him and we say, Father, I praise You. Start with that. I praise you. And then take a few minutes to list some things in which we want to praise God for. Right? It can be stuff from like, thank you that I have hot water in my house. I praise you for that. Or thank you that my body is cancer-free. 
I praise you for that. Or whatever it is. It can be all these things from the, from the seemingly daily mundane things to the, the extreme things in our lives. Just praise Him. Um, so I praise you, Lord. Then I love you, Lord. How many times do you do that? You just say, I love you, Lord. What do you, what do you, what do you love the Lord for? And just list off anything. I love you for, for giving me a, a wife or, or kids or, or whatever it is. I love you, God, for my salvation. Thank you for the Word of God. And then this, the next section, I need you, Lord. Do you pray that? How many times do we pray, I need you, Lord, every minute of every day. I praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Right? Thank you for all the blessings you've given me. And then once again, close again. You are worthy to be praised. I praise you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. And you are worthy to be praised. Amen. That's the Lord's Prayer in a nutshell. And um, I'd encourage you, if you're not already, periodically at least, incorporating that into your prayer life. Those five things at least. Um, But not only do we learn prayer from Jesus himself, which is great, but we also learn prayer from the Holy Spirit, which is probably more... um, uh, apt, I guess, to kind of this series here. In, in Romans 8, 26 and 27, Romans 8, 26 and 27, it tells us this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit, um, excuse me, I lost my voice, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all our hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit, listen, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. So not only does Jesus teach us to pray, the Holy Spirit is teaching us to pray. In fact, the Holy Spirit, um, in some translations of that verse, it says the Holy Spirit is interceding on our behalf. A very special way to say that the Holy Spirit stands in between us and the Father, hearing our prayers and transforming them into something glorious that only the Father can receive. Holy Spirit helps us as we pray. Um, It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit prays for us. No, that's not what he's talking about. It means that the Holy Spirit assists us or supports us in our prayers. So, let me give you some examples. When we're sick, um, we're desperate for healing, either for maybe for ourselves or for somebody we love, um, the Holy Spirit pleads for us. When we're weary and we're needed of strength, He supports us in our prayer. When we're worried over the needs of a loved one, maybe, He assists us. When we're full of guilt and shame over our own sin, He intercedes for us. Prayer in Jesus' name through the ministry of the Holy Spirit always reaches the heart of the Father. Yeah? Amen? Amen. Yes. And I love that all three members of the Trinity are involved in this process. So, So neat when that happens in Scripture. But prayer goes both ways. Okay, so we, 
see, we communicate to the Father. And then the next letter in our little acronym here is the L, and that is that we listen for the voice of God. Prayer goes both ways. We communicate, <clears throat> excuse me, and we also listen. Listening for the voice of God is simply waiting on Him and abiding in Jesus. There's a great verse, and I should have maybe marked some of these. In Isaiah chapter 40, I know you guys are familiar with this passage. Isaiah 40, verse 31, <clears throat> excuse me, says, but those who trust in the Lord, and some of your translations actually say those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. Listening for the voice of God is simply that, waiting on the Lord. It's learning like Psalm 46, verse 10. It's learning to be still and know that He is God. And, and we live in a crazy, busy world, right? We're always kind of out doing stuff. We're like Martha's all the time. Martha, Martha, Martha. We're just going out and we're serving the Lord. We're doing this. We're going to work. We're going to sports. We're going to school. We're doing all the things we're supposed to do, and those are fine. But sometimes we need to be like her sister, Mary, who just sat at the feet of Jesus. And remember Jesus like, Mary's found the best thing, and I'm not going to take it away from her. She need to sit at the at the feet of Jesus, and listen for his voice. It's like Elijah. Do you remember the time where Elijah was kind of discouraged, and so he went up on the mountainside, and he was up in the presence of God, and, and God's like, wait there until I speak to you, Elijah. This is in um, 1 Kings chapter 19. And, um, and then um, this mighty wind came. And God's voice was not in the wind. And then this mighty earthquake. And God's voice was not in the earthquake. And then there was a raging fire. And God's voice was not in the raging fire. But then in 1 Kings 19.12, do you remember how God spoke to Elijah? Still small voice. A whisper, a soft whisper. And Elijah heard the voice of God. That's, what it's talk, that's all it is. Sitting in the presence of God, waiting for Him to speak to us. And I, I would wager that for most of us, this is super hard to do. It's hard to wait. It's hard to be quiet. It's hard to be still. Our minds are so full. It's, it, 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 are, they're so distracted. It's hard to kind of take them off of the day-to-day. -day. But sometimes... Literally, we need to just close our mouths and open our ears. And as <clears throat> Paul says in Ephesians, open the eyes of our heart and just wait in his presence. And then when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we need to, letter O, obey him immediately. Okay? Which, if listening's hard, obedience <laughs> can also be difficult. All right, any command that the Holy Spirit gives us to follow must be obeyed immediately. And this is what I would encourage you to do. And um, sometimes, I don't, I don't do this personally all the time, but occasionally I think this is a good exercise to do, is that when we sit down with the Lord, with our, our time with Him during the day, 
whether that's in the morning or the evening, wherever it is, um, grab a piece of paper and a pencil and just have that sitting there with you. Maybe it's a journal you have. And as you open up the scripture, or, and as we begin to pray, and as we begin to listen, maybe the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. And if He speaks something to us, either through His Word or through that still small voice, write it down. And if it's something that you can obey immediately, I would encourage you to obey immediately. Whether it's, maybe He brings a, um, some conviction over a sin that's in your life, and you can confess that. Well, that's something you can do right now. But maybe it's something like, hey, you need to go to your coworker and say you're sorry for some of the words you spoke to her yesterday. And maybe you can't do that right that minute, but maybe the next day at work when you see her, you can do it. You know what I'm saying? So, so take something, write it down. Um, if you're digital, you know, put it on your phone or whatever as a reminder that, hey, this is something I want to do. Um, do something, forgive someone, confess a sin. Maybe it's a praise to Him. Whatever it is, if, if the Holy Spirit speaks something, we can um, immediately obey. Now, listen, this is the hard, this is the bad news of this. Because if we don't do that, we will be guilty of what Ephesians chapter 4 calls grieving the Holy Spirit. And it's something that, as God's children, we do not want to do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit because you were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Listen to this. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. To grieve the Holy Spirit is to live in disobedience to His ways. To harbor something in, our, in ourselves that is going against God's ways. Um, and when we do that, earlier in, um, in this chapter, those verses I just read a little bit earlier, if we're doing that, if we're harboring something, if we're living in disobedience in some ways, it says we may potentially give the devil an opportunity to gain a foothold in our lives. And, um, and we do not want that. The main way that we overcome this, the main way that we can um, not grieve the Holy Spirit is by spending time with Him, listening to Him, and be obedient when He speaks to us. Jesus said it in a different way. In John chapter 15, Jesus says that when we obey His commandments, that we actually remain in His love. When we obey Jesus' commandments, we remain in His love. The more we spend time with Him, um, the more we obey Him, the more we're going to see the holiness of Jesus in our lives. And... The Spirit has the first name, Holy, for a reason. Because that's what He wants to make happen in our lives, right? Um, it's not that the Holy Spirit ever deserts us. I don't want us to think about it like that. Um, 
You know, if we disobey Him, if we walk in disobedience, He's not going to leave us. Um, John chapter 14 says He'd never leave us, never forsake us. Um, But I think and believe and have experienced that we can lose the sense of His presence in our lives when we fail to obey. Do you remember the story of David? Um, David and Bathsheba, famous um, story there in um, 2 Samuel. I don't remember where it is. 2 Samuel somewhere. And, and David, you know, sees Bathsheba bathing. He, you know, he, he brings her in. He commits adultery. Then he actually brings her husband back and actually ends up murdering. The scripture says David murdered her husband, right? So he committed adultery and murder. Two of the Ten Commandments broke him. Yet, do you remember how God called, what God called David? He was a man after what? God's own heart. So even though David broke two of the big Ten Commandments, God was still able to call David a man after honing his heart. Then the prophet Nathan came and told David a story. He said, hey, I won't tell the whole story because it's too long, but it's like, hey, David, you know, this rich guy had, uh, had uh, a bunch of lambs, and then his poor neighbor had one lamb, some guests came to the rich house. He went out and took the poor lamb and, and killed that and prepared it for a feast. And David was outraged. He's like, how dare he do that? Right? And then Nathan's like, David, you are that man. You took the one lamb. Uh, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Did I say, I don't know if his name was Uriah now that I said it out loud. Yeah, okay, thank you. And... Um, he took, he took that in and so David was super convicted. And then he wrote Psalm 51 as a result of that. And part of Psalm 51, I won't read the whole thing, part of Psalm 51, and actually we've sung that as a chorus my whole life. I've sung it in the church. And part of that psalm says, Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. And, and I love that, the fact that um, in a time where the Holy Spirit wasn't prevalent in everybody's life, David was like, please, I've tasted the Spirit and I do not want to lose His presence. And you know what? God didn't. David was a man after his own heart. And um, today, when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, the New Testament says, we've been sealed with His presence. God's not going to take it away from us. He's not going to take the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we can lose a sense of it when we're walking in disobedience. And what we need to do is, is if, if we're struggling, if there's a sin, if we're harboring something in our lives, a disobedience, we just quickly confess that. And the promise of 1 John 1.9 is that when we confess our sin, He is faithful to restore us, to forgive us, to bring us back into His presence. And the best way that we can remain in His presence is in addition to praying and listening and obeying, the S is... <laughs> Dylan is better at that than I am. The S is study. And uh, I'll give you two S's. Study the Scripture. How oh, you like that? Study the Bible. Now listen, we're going to talk a ton more about this in the weeks ahead, so... I don't want to spend a bunch of time on this right now, but I want to say this. Here's a simple truth right now that I want to give us to remind us. The Holy Spirit 
In the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit said what He meant, and He meant every word He said. Okay? The Holy Spirit said what He meant, even the hard stuff, and He meant every word that He said. Second Peter, I have this in my notes, so I won't I don't need to read it in the Bible, but Second Peter 1 20 and 21, it says this. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy of scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No. Those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. How do we get the scripture? The Holy Spirit came upon a person, and they wrote down the words that they heard from God, and then we have the Scripture. Like I said, we'll be talking more about this when we get into a section. We're going to be talking about how this this, uh, theological word called inspiration. How did we get the Bible? We're going to be talking about that. Maybe next week, maybe the week after. I'm not sure exactly when, but soon. Um, So it's the task of every believer, every one of us here, If you believe in Jesus, it's our job, it's our task to open up God's Word every single day, guided by the Holy Spirit, to read the words, to meditate on them, to ask the Holy Spirit to help us understand what they mean, and then to apply them to our daily lives. That's what Ezra did. Ezra uh, was a scribe of Israel. He, was, he uh, lived during the time after the nation of Israel came back from captivity and they were rebuilding the walls and rebuilding Jerusalem. Ezra was a scribe and he was one that said that he um, focused, meditated, read the word and meditated on its words and obeyed them. And... Um, A lot of people think that Ezra was the first of what we would later be called the Pharisees. And just like everything that happens with humans, it started off good, and then human tradition, like we sang in that song earlier, human tradition just screwed it up. (laughs) um, But yet Ezra was a man of God. Psalm 1, um, 1 through 3, it tells about how when we remain in the Word, we will be like a tree firmly planted by a stream of water. That water will come and nourish us like the Word of God nourishes us. Um, In theological terms, this process is called hermeneutics. It's the process by which we uh, explain or interpret the Scriptures. Hermeneutics, simply read read a passage of the Bible. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us explain or interpret what it means. And then we apply what it means to our daily living hermeneutics. Um, and when studying the Bible, when we're guided by the Holy Spirit, there's, I'm going to give you guys these real quick, because we're going to talk about them more later. <clears throat> Four things we have to focus on to ensure that we're interpreting the Word of God accurately, the way the Holy Spirit intended us, uh, His original meaning. Here's the four real quick. Context. When I was in seminary, um, this preach that over and over and over again from my, from my um, instructors and my teachers. Context, context, context. We have to keep... That's why topical teaching makes me so nervous because of context. It's so easy to take a verse out of context and I, I definitely never want to do that. Um, 
what, what was the meaning of the original setting to which the verse was written? Context. It's so important. Second step, observation. What does the text mean? Or, or excuse me, what does the text say? Just observe some things. Third thing, explanation or interpretation. Now what does it mean? Holy Spirit, what does this passage mean? And then fourth, application. How, do, how can I apply this to my life? And so the transforming power of God's Word to change our lives will only be released when we are correctly interpreting and applying what the Holy Spirit teaches us as we study. If we never open it, if we never read it, if we never study it, if we never apply it, then here's a question. How can it ever change us? But when the Holy Spirit is working together with the Holy Scriptures, we can expect life change. And that's the E in our acronym. We can expect life change. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. And in fact, I'm going to turn there because I want to read another verse that I didn't write down in my notes. 2 Corinthians 3, 8. It says, shouldn't we expect a far greater glory under the new way now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, and the context of this passage is talking, it's referring back to Moses. When Moses would go, if you remember the time where Moses would go into the presence of the Lord, and he, would, he had this veil, and he would remove the veil, and the presence of the Lord would make his face glow. And, uh, and then he would come out of the presence of the Lord and he would talk to the people. This is what the Lord told me. This is what the Lord told me. This is what the Lord told me. And then he would put the veil back over his face. Why? Because he didn't want the people to see the glory receding out of. Okay, so then that's the context here. And talking about the law that was written in the Old Covenant on human tablets and how the new, in the New Covenant the law was written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And in verse 6, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.6, it says, um, we find it, He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Okay, what that does not mean is that we should throw out the Old Testament. Okay, some people maybe have misinterpreted that. It doesn't mean that the Old Testament is dead and we shouldn't read or study that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying now that we live in a new covenant with the Holy Spirit actively at work in every believer's life, that's so much better than they had it in the Old Testament. Um, that's, the, that's what Paul's trying to communicate to us there. This far greater glory that we just read about, it's a reference to everything we've been talking about today. Under the new covenant, the written Word of God is enabled by the Spirit of God, and when that happens, it enables... Life. We should expect life change in us. To say it another way, the Spirit is enabling us to keep us in the truth, to keep us remaining in that truth. We should expect life change because the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are actively working to bring about this change. So if we're just praying, and if, and if we're just listening, and if we're just reading the Bible, and there's no change in our lives, then 
we may need to reevaluate our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because next week we're going to talk about, here's the title, I'll give you a preview. The title of next week's sermon is, Can We Have the Word Without the Spirit? And I will be first in line to say absolutely yes, because I lived probably many, 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 many years as an adult and as a pastor operating that way. I had the Word without the Spirit. It's definitely possible. It's not ideal, though. Okay, but that's, that's for next week. You'll have to come back and hear the rest of that. So when, um, when the Spirit's at work in our lives, we're going to expect change. And here's a few things, real quick, that we can expect change. Okay? Assurance of salvation. Have you ever asked yourself the question, am I really saved? Yeah, I have too. Have you ever said, well, I better pray the sinner's prayer again, just to make sure? <laughs> have you ever done that? Have you ever gone to a camp, a youth camp, and, or an adult camp, and you get convicted, and you hear great teaching, and, and the, the, the Lord is at work in your life, and you're like, I better pray again, just to make sure. I want to make sure I get to go to heaven. Well, the Bible calls that assurance of salvation. That when we uh, believe, I already mentioned it earlier, we've been sealed for the day of redemption. Meaning that once we're saved, we can never be unsaved. Yet, um, when the Spirit works in our lives, we can sense the assurance of our salvation, that joy of our salvation. When we're not walking with the Spirit, when we're living in disobedience, or we're just not drawing closer to Him, those are the times where we're like, man, am I my life is full of garbage. Am I really saved? Well, the answer to that is yes, because if you weren't really saved, you wouldn't even be asking that question. You wouldn't even care about that question. But because you're asking it, because you're thinking about it, you can be assured that the Holy Spirit is working in your lives. More on that later. Okay, here's another thing we can expect. We can expect a more loving lifestyle. When we're seeking after Jesus, trying to be like Him, Reading, reading about Him and His Word. Uh, when the Holy Spirit's active in our lives, we're going to have a more loving lifestyle. And I'm not necessarily talking about loving like the world would define it. I'm talking about loving like Jesus defined it. A new kind of love like Jesus talked about. Okay? Uh, here's another thing we can expect. Our prayers will be answered. You guys believe that God answers every prayer? When I was a little uh, junior higher, all the way back in 1986 or 7, <laughs> our youth leader, I still remember this. It's funny how we can remember some things in our life and then I can't remember you know, certain things from like a week ago. But uh, I remember one of our youth leaders was talking about prayer and he says, he said this, and I'll still remember it all these years later. He said, God will always answer our prayers. It'll either be a yes, a no, or a wait. Have you ever heard something like that? He's always going to answer us, though. It's either yes, I'm going I'm to do what you asked for. No, I'm not going to do that. Or, or wait. Wait. Maybe I'll do that, but not right now. God will answer our prayers. We can expect it. We can believe He does. Um, here's another thing we can expect. Our needs will be met. Physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, God will meet our needs when we are waiting on Him. 
here's another one. Signs and wonders will verify Christ's living presence in us. That's a big one. We'll, we'll be talking more about that later. And here's, here's one more. God will direct our lives um, like the rudder on that ship. He's going to keep us from drifting off course. And just to name a few, there's hundreds, literally thousands of other things that we can expect from Him. And, and we're all in a different stage in, of our lives, and we can all expect different things from the Lord. But these are some that we can probably all maybe agree on, right? And then finally, the last letter in our, in our acronym, when this life change is doing our work, um, we will be renewed. Okay, so here's like the response that I was talking about earlier. So the first five are probably kind of things that, that we should be doing, but this last one is kind of a response to this. Um, there's a great passage in the Bible in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what the good and pleasing and perfect will of God is. Do you know what that word conformed? Do not be conformed to this age? Or another way to say age would be world or worldly system. Do not be conformed. You know what that word is? It's like jello. You guys like jello? How long has it been since you've eaten jello? It's been a while for me, I gotta admit. But I like jello. And like you ever make, you know, you take the little box, right, of powder. And you take hot water and you pour those both into some kind of container, whatever it is, a bowl or a mold of some kind if you want to get clever. And then you put it in the refrigerator and in, how, I don't know how long it takes, a while you pull that thing out and then you can eat jello. It's hardened, right? Um, that's what this word conformed means. It means to be... Um, it literally means to be molded to something. So if you go back and read, do not be molded or conformed to the worldly age in which we live. That's what Paul is powerful. It's right, it's powerful. Do not in your thinking, in your heart, in your behavior, in your attitudes, do not act like everybody else in the world. Do not be conformed to the image of the world, is what he's saying. On the other hand, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How we get transformed? By renewing our mind. And what's the best way that you found to be transformed in your thinking? The Word of God working with the Spirit of God, doing His work in our lives. And then the Lord's going to renew us. When this process is happening in us, the Lord will renew us. He will transform our thinking so that we will be more committed to following the ways of the kingdom of God. So don't be conformed to the world's kingdom. Let's be conformed. If we're going to be conformed to anything, let's be conformed to God's kingdom. And then we'll train our minds to discern and to test and to prove and to practice God's perfect will, this verse says. Let me ask you a question as we close. How often 
do we need this renewal? Yeah. I'm with you guys. I need it all the time. I, in my notes, I put daily, but later on I, got, I thought more than that. <laughs> more than that. Because the world is always pounding against us. It's always trying to get in there. It's always trying to take us and, and make us more like itself. So when we get renewed, I'm going to give you a couple other R's as we close. When we get renewed, we get ready to go. And when we get ready to go, then we repeat. And here's what I mean. Um, day by day by day, we need to do these things. You can't do them just once and expect life change. You can't do, you can't do it on Sundays and expect to, have a, to walk closely with the Holy Spirit. We have to be doing this every day. You know, Daniel prayed three times a day. He was a man of God. Moses spent constant hours in the presence of God. Jesus spent all night in prayer. One time Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness alone with the Holy Spirit. If we want to get closer to Him, we have to spend time with Him on a regular, 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 regular basis. And I know most of you are probably already doing that. And like I said, um, nothing new here necessarily. But what I want to encourage us to do, if you're not doing, and, you, and only you know this, but if you're not spending regular time with the Lord, I would encourage you to take these notes. And if you didn't get a set of notes, um, come talk to me and I'll print you off a copy. But take, take these notes, and if, you're not, if you don't have any plan, if you're just wandering like you're, you're on a ship with no rudder and you just don't know where you're going, take these notes, and, I, and this is as a guideline. This is not, what I wrote is not on equal with what the Holy Spirit wrote. Don't give me that. It's just a help. It's just a help that I want to give you guys if, if you need it. And then I would encourage you, if you're not doing anything at all, to spend and start by spending a minimum of 30 minutes a day. And you think, I don't have another 30 minutes a day. And I say, I guarantee you have a 30 minutes a day to spend with the Lord. At the end of our lives, we might regret how much we watch Netflix, but we'll never regret how much time we spent and gave to the Lord. Um, so draw closer to Him. Um, so Sai, come on up. Got another song? Draw closer to Him. Just review, right? Through communication in prayer and listening for His voice, obeying what we hear, studying the Bible, expecting life change, and then being renewed, fully engaged with the Holy Spirit, ready to go, and then repeat, repeat, repeat. The time of day that we do it is not nearly as important as that we do it. If you're not a morning person, don't do it in the morning. Um, or ask the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to do it in the morning. I do my time usually at night, in the evenings. It's when I'm kind of fully engaged. But time alone with God will bring us closer uh, to Him and will enable us to get to know His ways. And um, Next week, like I said, we're going to kind of get more into this. Um, can we have the Word without the Spirit? Um, so come back and hear that if you're interested. 
I just want to encourage you, anytime during the song, anytime after church gets over, a meeting we stop singing, um, and you would like to receive prayer, um, I'd encourage you to do that. If, if, if the, the Holy Spirit is doing something right now in you, and you're like, I'm feeling convicted that I need to draw closer to Him, um, I'd encourage you to get, get some accountability for that. Because if you just kind of leave it to yourself, probably won't work out. Get some accountability. Get somebody to pray for you on that. So that's, that would be my specific thing today for prayer. If, um, if you, and, we, and I would say we all need this, let's, let's all find somebody to pray for us. Get some accountability. How are you doing? Are you spending that time with the Lord? Um, what's God doing in your life? And, um, and let's just pray for each other, right? Uh, that's what the Lord told us to do anyway. So, God, we just thank you today for your word and for your spirit. Thank you for the teaching that you've given us. We pray that we will, again, that we will be doers of your word, not just hearers. That we would take the words that you've taught us today, all these scriptures that we looked at, you'll bring them back to mind at just the right time. And that we would be obedient and um, to apply these things to our lives, to, uh, to live it out. And I would pray for each one here that we would be consistent in a time that we spend with you on a regular, ongoing basis um, with the desire to grow closer to you. Holy Spirit, we help, we ask, help us in these things. And Jesus, we pray in your glorious name.